We are apt to forget that children watch examples better than they listen to preaching. Amen? They really do, man. We, they, they catch. Okay, look at the next one. My father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. Critical lesson for us dads and moms. And the church said, because, man, they're watching, they're observing, they're taking notes, they're taking mental notes. They're like, man, this is what I want to be like, what I don't want to be like. Look at C. Everett uh, Coop's uh, thing here. Life affords no greater responsibility, no greater privilege than the raising of the next generation. And I go, amen. I love raising generations. That's cool. All right. Praise your children openly, reprehend them secretly, or in other words, uh, you know, try to correct them secretly. Have you, don't raise your hand, have you ever been embarrassed by your parent and you wish they had done it in secret? Yeah. Now, I will tell you this. I remember when our kids were little and we'd go out to eat, which wasn't a lot, but we'd go out to eat, and, and the kids knew, do not embarrass mom and dad. If you do, we will go to the bathroom not to look at the wallpaper, not to wash our hands incessantly. We will go there to be corrected, and everybody said, because let me tell you, over the years, me and Donna may be having an anniversary dinner. If you want to really see the pastor in me, no. If you want to see the flesh in me rise up, let me take my bride out for a nice dinner and have a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, take them off the planet. Okay, here we go. Praise your, here we go. Your children will become what you are, so be what you want them to be. Amen? Okay, look at the next one. The most important thing a father can do for his child is to love their mother. The most important thing a mother can do for her children is to love their father. That's so critical. It's called covenant relationship. God blesses that. Okay. And... I, I know this one's going to come up. I think it's a photo. Well, it didn't come. Oh, there it is. Don't you love this? I just, I just thought this was fun because today we've had this music with great beats and fun things. Don't forget to bring your funny bone along on your parenting journey. Humor is a universal language that topples walls, connects hearts, opens the door to communication and cooperation. And everybody said, yes, some of your homes are hilarious. You're like, you ain't been in my home. No. I mean, it is, man. Kids, don't kids do the funniest things? Aren't kids just hilarious? I, I now love as we slow down a little different pace with grandkids and watching some of the funny things that my grandkids do and that your kids do. I think it's great. And we just need to enjoy laughter. How many of you are glad that God created laughter? I am, man. I just, I just love to laugh. It's just it's contagious. Okay, is there another one that's going to come up here today that I... Oh, I, I forgot. I had a couple more. Before I got married, I had six theories about bringing up children. Now I have six children and no theories. <laughs> now let me stop on this one. That was me as a youth pastor. Don and I had a very fruitful, effective youth ministry, and I thought I knew everything about parenting. We had number one child, and I thought, come on, folks, this is easy, because my little girl, our first one was really easy to raise. She came home with forms already filled out. I mean, I'm thinking, dude, I would look at her, and she'd go, Dad, I don't want to whip, and I'll do the right thing. Then we had our second one. And she told me one day, she goes, Dad, it's worth it to get a whipping. I went, ah. Oh. So after that, I said, I have no more theories about raising kids. Okay. Live so that when your children think of fairness, caring, and integrity, they think of you. I love that quote. Love your parents. We're so busy growing up, we often forget they are also growing old. Amen. Hey, Donna, are we growing old? Yeah. Some of y'all growing old? Yeah. As, as I look back there at Merkel, Merkel's got his little girl on his, on his shoulders and she's playing with his hair. Two things I don't like. He's strong and buff and he has hair. Okay, let's go on. All right. 
When parents say, because I said so, you know you made a good argument. I love that one. Keep that up there so everybody can write that down. And I'm so glad that I don't live at your house to have to hear the discussion that goes with that. Okay, here we go. Is that the last one? Yes? Hey, wasn't that fun? Okay, let's close in prayer. Man, that was No, no, here we go. Now, I've got so much to give you, but I just want to do this wise parent thing as we got in together. Back in the 50s, actually, I was born in 59, so I don't remember the first part, but later on in the 60s, I do remember it. There was a, an America's favorite family that everybody in America admired. Ozzie and... They were absolutely almost perfect. I mean, it, it was kind of sick. And they dispensed parental guidance and wisdom to David and Ricky over the dilemmas of life that they would get themselves in. And the great thing about that little sitcom, they could always solve the pressing issue within 30 minutes. Don't you just love that about television? But here's the thing. Ozzie and Harriet had a script writer. And we do not. They, they, they could solve these dilemmas. And I love this. It says, as a matter of fact, when it comes to parenting, none of us ever gets a license. We all have learner's permits. Kind of scary, isn't it? Because what I found out about parenting, even grandparenting, we're still learning how to do it right or better or more righteously or more effectively. And so I don't care how tough you are. You could be a Navy SEAL you could be a wimp. I don't know, somewhere in between. And it doesn't matter about all this except that parenthood will somehow melt you. It will squeeze you. It will test you. It will try you. And it will reward you in great ways. I'm so glad that our Father in Heaven created kids. I'm glad He created family units for us to take care of and to nurture and to lead. And a lot of times people go, well, Pastor... You know, I took all these classes in high school and college, but I never got a parenting book. Folks, I want you to look at it. This is the best parenting book that I've ever read. I've read thousands of books. I've got so many books in my study here at the church and at home, and I read a lot and I study. But all books, and I, I mean, I, right now I could get all of you to just start taking out books, and it would take us a long time to clean up my office. But this book right here, it is sound, tried, true, constant, steadfast, immovable, holy, righteous. It makes for raising good kids. And the church said, I believe it. But here's what I know. A lot of times this thing doesn't even get open. Doesn't even get marked. And we'll go, yeah, ancient text, ancient literature, wisdom literature that we're studying called Proverbs is good. But I think I got a better way. You don't. I'm a, I love James Dobson. There's so many writers that I could tell you about. Dr. Jim Burns that I hope we bring to our, our city in 2018. A foremost leader in parenting. You hear him on Christian radio. I want all the principles I can, but at the end of the day, I have to come back to this. Now, some of you have already said today, you know what? This is good you're teaching through Proverbs, but I wish you to put out a list because I wouldn't have come. I don't have kids. I don't want kids. I don't like kids. That's how I feel. Okay. And some of you are parents or preschoolers, and you're like, please, pastor, could you talk about this every weekend? It's so tough. And then some of you are parents of teens, and you're begging me for anything I can share with you. Because teenagers are awesome. 
Charlie, sorry. And teenagers, sometimes like today, we don't hardly have any teenagers in the house because they're on the road and they're gone and all this stuff. But it, it is a, a trying time. And then maybe you're an empty nester or maybe you're a grandparent. You say, well, why, why principles? Why principles? Because I think we need to hide these in our hearts that we might know how to be more effective in the stage of life that God has us. And there might be somebody that gets learning and understanding and application and wisdom. And we just want to be the family of God that progresses and moves toward wholeness and the church said amen now let's look here are you ready i want you to get your pen your crayon your device out and i want you to get ready rapid fire no fill in the blanks you're like hallelujah this has never happened it may never happen again after tonight or after after tonight man we've been here a long time you know i was thinking tonight I feel more like right now I'm kind of in Bible study mode, almost like conversation. So if all my small group, if y'all would all come and sit on the front with me. Well, I guess it was rhetorical. It wouldn't have made me feel better, but that's okay. All right, y'all stay where you are. Look at Proverbs. See, I'm not putting these verses on the screen on purpose because I wanted Drew not to quit. And, uh, and I, 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 want you, I, want you to, I just want you to open your Bible, open up the device, and I want you to look. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Look at it. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. Now that right there is just so straightforward. Listen when your dad corrects you. And if you do, it will go well with you. You will be crowned with grace. Now listen, move down to Proverbs 6, verse 20. Ready? My son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Man, isn't that, you see, Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. And Rehoboam was a misfit. Rehoboam was a mess. Rehoboam was rebellious. Rehoboam was a screw-up. Do you understand? Some of you are going, I think Rehoboam was my brother. <laughs> Some of you are sitting, your mom's going, no, Rehoboam is you. And Solomon had all this wisdom that God poured out on him. And I think he wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he was thinking about Rehoboam. So it's just a great verse. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 1. You're saying, wow, man, you're moving quickly. A wise child brings joy to a father. Now let's stop there. When you act in wisdom, when you act righteously, when you act holy, when you do the correct thing, the scripture says you bring joy. Joy overfloweth to your father. But look at the next part. A foolish child of folly brings grief to a mother. Over 35 years as a pastor, I've had the sacred honor and privilege of discipling, teaching, ministering to thousands of teenagers and their parents and families. And this particular verse is so true. I've seen the ones that their children in this church and my previous assignment, I've seen kids bring abundant joy and grace and blessing. But those same homes might have another sibling or maybe it was a different home and their kids were a total wreck a total mess a total heartache but their kids their offspring their love and they were wondering what did i do wrong and there's a free will let's look at uh, so that's 10 1 let's move down to 10 5 ready there a wise youth harvests in the summer but one who sleeps during the harvest is a disgrace this is a great verse you ought to share with your teenagers in the summer no. 
Okay, Charlie, I'm not going to pick on you today, I promise, but I thought about it because you're very self-confident. Uh, if all the youth were in here, I, I would want to pick on this. But do you all remember, just go back on a journey with me, when you were a kid, did any of you like to sleep late? Yeah, the rest of you are lying. And on Saturdays, maybe if that was the only day because school and all its demands and Sunday, and maybe Saturday, unless you had a job or you had to get up, maybe you got to sleep a little extra. I had a friend in high school. I had a friend. He's not my friend. And uh, he would come to my house at 6.15 every single Saturday morning. My dad thought it was hilarious because I went to bed really late on Saturday morning, you know, when Friday night was kind of into the next day. And at 6.15, my friend, Keith, Keith, you want to talk? No, dude. I want you to go home. How'd you get in here? Oh, your dad, man, he was getting the paper. He let me in. He'd smile. I had a chair in my room, and he would just sit there and look at me. Oh, yeah, man, it was sick, you know? I wasn't a pastor. I didn't know about therapy and counseling. I would, I would have sent him, man. I would have paid. I would have worked another job just to send him a counseling. Every Saturday morning, he would show up. And I just, the thought just hit me as I told you that story. Don and I got married. And we had this young man that would show up at our apartment every Saturday morning for breakfast. The crazy thing was my sweet wife would make this gourmet breakfast and he liked it. He kept coming. It was beautiful when he moved. Okay, here you go. Yeah, you're laughing. You can't even make up stuff this good, okay? Here you go. Look over there. Look over at 13.1. A wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. They, they accept uh, discipline. Uh, they're, uh, they're not so opinionate, opinionated that they can't learn. They're willing to receive uh, that which is good. But let's move on down to 22, 13, 22. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. Now, this right here, the whole title, if you're just writing it on that line today, you just write inheritance. And the scripture talks about it's good to leave an inheritance to the next generation and to our grandkids. And, and maybe that would bless them to go to university or to help them with a house one day or to help them do stuff. And there's all kinds of things about monetary, uh, financial inheritances. But whether you have a penny or a million dollars, if you have a million, call me this week, okay? But whether you, whatever, you, whatever you have, the inheritance that I want you to have, that God wants you to have, is a godly inheritance that you pass on to future generations, generation after generation after generation. And the church said, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to pass on the character and the traits of Jesus, a legacy of our faith in the Almighty that is holy, that when April led us, his praise will ever be on my Man, that's what you want to pass on to your kids. Long after the inheritance money is spent, they're loving Christ. They're moving on with the Savior. 13, 24, move over there. I'm going to talk about this right here just a little bit, and then I'll come back to it because this is like my favorite part today. No, not really. 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. And there's Dr. Spock, and there's Dr. Phil, and there's Dr. So-and-so, and there's Dr. Feelgood. And can I just tell you, it is biblical not to spare the rod. I say that with great joy because I got worn out as a kid. But it is God's idea. And sometimes in the church of the living Christ, in this church, people will come to me and go, and pastor, 
<laughs> I don't believe in Spanky. <laughs> I go, really, have you ever read the word of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not talking about abuse, and it's kind of cool that kids aren't in here right now. Like, God, our pastor's about abuse and tearing you up. Well, you might need tearing up in a good sense. But discipline is good. How many of you felt like you were better off because you got disciplined as a child? Mama pulled out the spoon. Mama pulled out the switch. Dad pulled out the belt. Right now, listen. I can hear it running through my dad's belt loops right now. I'm not kidding. My dad has been dead since 1994. And I didn't get a whipping in 1994. But as a kid, I heard that sound often. Do I have a witness in here? You talk about connect corner, we ought to have lunch sometime and talk about who got the worst whipping, okay? How do we train our children? Right in there, that word is spare the rod, we're having fun. Loving discipline. Somebody's like, yeah, right, loving discipline. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I thought that was a crock coming up. John and I got a dog. We didn't have kids and I remember one day it was doing a little something. I had to give it a little tap. And I went in the house and shed a tear. It was a dog. I'm sorry, don't, don't send me a letter. I know you love your pets and animals. Hallelujah. But it was a dog. Then we had a kid. Had to tap her one time. I went in the room and was a mess for 30 minutes. Did not enjoy this. Now, if you enjoy discipline, if you enjoy not sparing the rod, you might want to get some therapy, okay? But there is a time and a place. Let me just give you some verses. 13, 24, he who spares a rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful enough to discipline him. Proverb 19, 18, I think it's even on your handout, but look there. Discipline your son, for in that there's hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. You care so much you don't want to send him to the grave. 22, 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. When you have been disciplined, did folly leave when discipline came? Yes, because I didn't want to repeat that action to catch that consequence again. Now, it's so much more about uh, the response of the heart, the heart response. That's what the Father wants. That's what a loving parent wants. They, they want you to respond out of, not out of fear, but out of a heart, a heart that God's put in them. 1520 here. Let's turn over to 1520. I don't think I've ever walked through this many verses so fast. Sensible children bring joy to their father. Foolish children despise their mother. A wise kid brings joy. They make us glad. Look at Proverbs 17, 2. A wise servant will rule over the master's disgraceful son and will share the inheritance of the master's children. This whole chapter, if you study chapter 17 of Proverbs in context, it's all about, just write down the word on that line, taking spiritual inventory. And God wants you and me to take inventory of our lives, and certainly spiritually. So listen, here's some questions I just want you to fill in. I was uh, doing some study just late yesterday about this, and I found from Dr. Warren Wearsby, I love him. What a great Bible commentator. But listen to what he says, some points. What do you listen to? That's taking spiritual inventory. What, what or who am I listening to? Secondly, what do I rejoice in? What brings me great joy? Third, what do I tend to talk about what is my conversation about fourth what do i get angry at what angers me 
what brings me into a rage possibly? And the fifth one is, what do I give in to? And if we're not careful, if we're not letting God shape us and conform us to the image of Jesus, if we're not listening to the Spirit of the living Christ, if we're not taking our counsel and direction from God, we'll give in to the world every time. I know I will, and you will too. And God's like, I want to get you on a healthy path. Look at Proverbs uh, 17, 21. Look over there with me. It is painful to be the parent of a fool. (laughs) Does anybody want to say amen? (laughs) Don't say it. Just say it in your heart, okay? (laughs) Because your kid might be here. If your kid's not here, say it out loud. You'll enjoy it, okay? It is painful to be the parent of a fool. There is no joy for the father of a rebel. That is so true. I've counseled many a parent that had a kid that squandered their life that continually made poor choices, that paid consequences in their life that have made life difficult. They have grieved their mom and dad. But I love the scripture where it says, God has the capacity to restore that which the locust has eaten. Does anybody in this room believe that our God can restore? I do. And he restores and he redeems completely. And that's what godly parenting is. It doesn't, just because you're godly in Christ Jesus does not make it automatic that you have perfect kids. In the years that Don and I did student ministry, I, sometimes I would, uh, I would be amazed. Some of the most godly people sometimes had godly kids. Sometimes they had kids that were just off the chart wicked. And some people, that their parents didn't uh, pay attention to the admonition to the precepts of Jesus their kids somehow came out good and God showed me that we all have a proclivity towards sin but we have a free will and we can choose to honor Christ or we can choose to reject him do you agree with me church so here's what I want to say this is why I say this so uh, emphatically some of you beat yourself up because you're blaming yourself for your kids behavior and you possibly contributed by some things. At the same time, they, they've got a little bent. They've got a, they've got a free will. But I believe if we'll follow admonition of Scripture, I think if we'll hang on, if we'll believe God, I believe we'll see the Father work. I'm going to show you in a minute probably the most powerful verse in Proverbs that everybody knows. Look at 1725, though, with me quickly. 1725. Foolish children bring grief to their father and bitterness to the one who gave them birth. Some of you are like circling that in your Bible. You're like, yeah, man, I've seen that. It makes me think of the story of Reuben in the Old Testament that he stood with his brothers as they were doing Joseph and they were going to do Joseph in and have Joseph killed. And Reuben stood up, not as boldly as he should have, but he said, hey, can we just throw my brother in the pit? Let's just throw him in the pit. Foolish suggestion. And then later, if you read about Reuben, he went on to commit adultery and incest and Reuben, uh, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't think his dad ever trusted him. Like, you know, Jacob is like, man, my son, you know, he really hadn't followed the ways of God. He's just not good. There was no trust. Just write down Genesis chapter 49, verse 4. And you'll see kind of the theme of this particular guy. But move to Proverbs 19, 13. A foolish child is a calamity to a father. A quarrelsome wife is annoying as a constant dripping. Let's don't talk about the second part of that, okay? It's self-explanatory. <laughs> A foolish child is calamity to a father. And I think we're building a case here uh, that both of these things that Solomon says, they make life miserable. And God says, I I want you to do it differently. Look at 1918. Look there with me. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. While they're young, 
discipline them. As they get older, you discipline them in different ways, but you still discipline them. It's, it's help, helpful. It, uh, discipline serves as a curb. It, it curbs, hopefully, wrong behavior. Maybe it'll help drive them back to the Father. But look at 22.6. I bet every one of you could stand up and quote it. But I'm going to read it a little different than the way I memorized it years ago from the New Living Translation, Proverbs 22.6. Direct your children onto the, path, onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Train up a child in the way they should go, and, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, we read that verse, and we quote that verse, and we hold on that verse, and go, God, 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 I'm holding on. This child is a rebel. Come on, God, deliver them or deliver me. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? You know why I prayed that? Because I understand that prayer. But let me tell you, when you really read it in the Hebrew, it says it a little differently than we read it. The great thing is here is to saturate our children with the gospel of grace, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The child's first teacher should be their dad and mom, not their Sunday school teacher, not their teacher at school. And so this, this verse is so popular, slogans, and everybody puts it up, and I understand it's good. But the Hebrew actually says, train up a child, write it down according to his way train up a child according to his way and when he is old he will not depart from it but even the english translation has a moral imperative sense it says the way he should go but the hebrew doesn't say that it just says according to his way but let me let me give you some hope because i don't want to just leave there and you're like man i'm man this is horrible because isaiah has a principle when the word of god goes forth it never returns void when you plant when you pour in the word of god to your children it will reap a harvest in due time they do not forget that which they've heard how many of you believe that today i didn't become a christian till i was 19. i was the first believer in my family i got dropped off at a little baptist church but as I told you, to play basketball, I played for Dorita Baptist Church. I can still see my DBC jersey. Looking good, you know. Couldn't play basketball, but I look good. And we had RAs, Royal Ambassadors for Jesus. I still have my pen at home. And the only reason I went was Mr. Blaylock said, I will come by and pick you up with my boys. He had a truck. And, you know, we didn't worry about seatbelts in the 60s. We just, we didn't know what seatbelts. As a matter of fact, we couldn't even find them. And his two boys and Mr. Blaylock and me, all of us had crew cuts. <laughs> I don't know why I told you that. We would ride to Diary of the Baptist Church. And this man, God bless his soul, he was the most boring man I've ever heard in my life. But he had a pickup truck and he had a basketball team at his disposal. And he was our teacher, R.A., and we'd get in there, and I was like, I went because we were going to have basketball practice. Well, you know, you got 90-head people like me. They go, we're going to have RAs first, and then we'll have basketball practice. But I'm so grateful for Mr. Blaylock because he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember when he gave me a Bible. And I remember the verse, that I, the only verse I remember of the whole year. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Paid no attention to it, but I heard it over and over. 
9, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, 17, 18, 19. And that winter night, I was born again. And that verse came running back. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You tell me I'm not grateful for that man pouring the word of God into my heart. Amen? Isn't that an awesome story? Is that a good story? I mean, I just love the power of God's word. You're like, well, it took a little while to work. I know some people that are 80, and they still ain't got it, okay? So, I mean, this is cool, man. This is, so it doesn't matter how far you run from God, you don't run from his word. Oh, I could just keep on going. I'm excited. Let's go 22, 15. Move there quickly. A youngest heart, a young, a young, look, a young rooster. When I, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. Man, that's so true. It just explains itself that foolishness is bound up in our hearts. So we read the Proverbs, we read the Scriptures. The, the Hebrew would say, you train up a child in the way they should go. You dedicate them to the ways of Jesus Christ. You give them over to the Lord. You know when we have baby dedications here? We dedicate them publicly to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we promise as a faith family that we will come alongside to help you in your Christian rearing that kid might be fully rooted and established in Jesus. And that's the hope of the gospel. I love that. So we start the patterns early according to his way. All right, move on down here with me. Uh, let me see. What, what, what verse am I at? 22, 15, 23, 13 through 14. Ready? 13. Don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. Isn't that a great verse? They won't die. And somebody's like, man, I didn't know that. That's, that's going to be my life verse. I'm going to memorize it. Okay. Please come see me because you enjoyed that way too much. Verse 14. Physical discipline may well save them from death saves them from horrible decisions and possibly from the grave and i i just read it i I could talk on these verses for a while but i'll just say this one comment parenting has never been for cowards and it never will be parent parenting is for those that will submit themselves to christ and say lord jesus show me how to be an effective mom show me how to be an effective dad may god bless us and then this whole thing right here i put them in red the, the little red section, the only one that have red, it's all about the rod. The rod is symbol, it's reality, it's, uh, it represents physical chastisement, it's a spanking tool, it represents a metaphor for uh, painful consequences will come if I do not use the rod. I could talk about this for days, but the loss uh, is if we don't. Proverbs twenty two fifteen. hear it again. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from, from them. It's just a great case. I mean, if kids won't speak to me next week, I know you've been using this message, okay? <laughs> uh, and I'm not talking about child abuse. And I know that happens. I read an article in Massachusetts uh, in 2007. The state legislature considered a bill that would have made it illegal to spank a child even in the privacy of their own home. In 1979, the country of Sweden became the first country in the world to ban spanking. In the 60s, 53% of the Swedes backed corporal punishment of children. By the 1990s, it was less than 10%. And then I went and I got all into this, and then I started looking up on the Internet, and then I found out all these countries across the world that ban corporal punishment. i got to tell you, folks, they've banned the Word of God, too. How many of you are going to follow the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ? How many of you are going to follow the Word of God? This is it, man. Like, God, man, th- this is what you want. I mean, like... 
you know, like, Lord, we, we need you. We need you to, to speak to us. We need you to come. And so you see these verses, and they talk about reproof and isolation and, 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 and you know, having to discipline the child. But, but move down here, 23, uh, 22. Listen to your father who gave you life, and don't despise your mother when she is old. Box that in into the Bible. Listen to them. They are wise, or hopefully they're wise. But they're your parents, and God's given them authority, and it's heartfelt obedience to the Lord ultimately, and God's using them as a tool in your life. And then ultimately you just go, man, the blood of Jesus is what I need. It's sufficient. It covers my sin. Amen. But these are just kind of tools to help us in our whole parenting process. That the focus is the heart. Just write that in your note somewhere. The focus is the heart. God's always been about the heart of man. The heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can guard the heart? The Lord Jesus. God, give us hearts for you. Give us kids that have hearts for you, God. Turn their hearts towards you. Lord, help us to discipline when we need to. As you get older, you don't spank kids. I mean, th- th- that's just weird. I- I'm not going to tell you the age. I don't know the automatic. There's not a verse in the Bible that says that at 12, put the rod down and never use it again. I can't give you a verse. But there's different ways. The rod could be punishment. It could be curfew. How many of you would rather have the rod than curfew? I- okay, we don't have teenagers in the house. But do you remember? I mean, how many of you wanted your dad to talk to you or spank you? Spank me now, Lord, Lord Jesus, come. Let my dad spank me quickly with fire and let it be over. My dad wasn't a real talker. He, he just kind of got that. His dad, he learned it from his dad. My, my grandfather that died when I was five, I didn't really ever know him. And my dad, and he was a legislator from Lamar County. And he says my granddaddy was verbose. I think I know where I got it. And he said he would go in. And he would do oratory skills for him and his brothers and sisters about their punishment. My dad would go, just go ahead and wear me out. And apparently, you know, that was pretty good. So my dad didn't use oratory skills. He used his belt. Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. But third John, verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Oh, that's what we want, isn't it? That we walk in the truth of Jesus Christ, guys. Uh, oh man, I got I got so many verses. Hey, move down to twenty seven eleven. I got I got we got to dedicate somebody here in a minute. Look at twenty seven eleven. Be wise, my child, and make my heart glad. Then I will be able to answer my critics. So God wants us to honor Him, and and, and to do it in His manner. Right? Twenty seven eleven. Look at twenty eight seven. Turn over to there with me. Young people who obey the law are wise, and those with wild friends bring shame to their parents. Do any of you turn to the person next to you and go, yeah, I was that wild child? No, don't, don't, don't do that, okay? Maybe you were, maybe you ran with them, I don't know. They, they corrupted your character, though, right? They did. Look at 28, 24, look here. Anyone who steals from his father and mother and says, what's wrong with that is no better than a murderer. We want to steal from our mom and dad, we honor them. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in counseling sessions with parents and they'd go Johnny has a severe drug problem and Johnny steals from us all the time Johnny is now out of control we have now changed the locks on our door Johnny is not welcome in our home anymore you're saying huh well, this particular kid I was talking to just a few years ago to the parents, and they said it pained us 
but our kid was so out of control and they were stealing everything. They would come over when we were at work and they were taking TVs and chainsaws and everything they could to buy drugs. We just had to change the locks. And then they went on to say, one day we had to sign a warrant out for our son to be arrested. He was out of control. You're saying, man, that's pitiful. I mean, it's sad. But a good home could produce a rebel. But you know what? I read a story one day of Jesus, and he talked about the prodigal son, and the prodigals are always welcome back home. Isn't that good news? If you're willing to repent and turn, the Father welcomes you right there. I love that story. Kill the fatted calf, get the robe, get the ring. My boys, come home. Come home. Let's move here quickly. 3017. 3017. Look there with me. The eye that mocks a father and despises the mother's instructions will be plucked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. I read that verse and I go, man, tell you what, you're going to get taken out, you don't do right. I'm like, Lord, I, I want to honor you. And then just, uh, there's only been one perfect parent that I've ever read about. His name is God. And the last time I checked, he had some wayward children. And he's perfect. So don't walk out of here with your head hung low today. Walk out of there holding your head toward the heavens, looking to Jesus and saying, Lord, I will fix my eyes on you and I will hide your word in my heart and I will build my life and my kids upon the principles of Jesus. And may God grace us until we meet again. Amen? All right. Man, that's God's word this morning. Wasn't that fun? You're like, wow. Man, we just went through a lot of verses, didn't get them all. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. Here's what we want to do right now. Uh, Melanie, can you come to the piano, please? Because I did it a little different. And then I'm going to invite Josh. Could you come forward, Josh? And then Tim, do you mind coming out of the booth? I hadn't seen Dave. He might be in the nursery. He might not be here. I don't know. And anybody else that likes Josh, <laughs> you might come forward. But uh, <laughs> I hope somebody besides your wife comes forward. Uh, Josh, hey, Kelsey, you come too. That, here, Kelsey, why don't we sit Kelsey in the chair, man? She's pregnant. She needs a little seat. Here we go. You, you sit right here. Donna, come, sweetie. Here, Kelsey, you sit right, you sit right here if you want. You're okay. Okay. All right. Uh, come on. Somebody else come up here for Josh, okay? His wife came. I mean, uh, you, uh, there you go. Josh is going to Germany. And Josh, I'm going to come around there so you can talk. Tell us what you're going to do in Germany. It's a vacation, right? That's right. No, tell uh, us. First class. Thank you all. No. Uh, so we're doing baseball clinics. For some kids over there in Germany and just bringing the gospel to them through the power of baseball. Gospel clinics through the tool of baseball. And Josh is on that team sharing the gospel, videographer. videographer. He's taking 10 days? Yeah. 12. Oh, 12. <laughs> Mom, Mom, we know. How many of you would pray for Kelsey? Josh, you're on your own, dude. We're praying for Kelsey. Hey, we're going to pray this morning for Josh, and then we're going to conclude our service, and I hope you'll welcome the Merkels. Hey, would y'all, faith family, would you stick your hands out toward Josh? Father, in the wonderful, majestic, powerful name of Jesus, your name is beautiful. Lord, we thank you that Josh has been redeemed, and he's yours. His life has been bought with a price he is not his own. Thank you for him and Kelsey and their gospel witness in this church and in their home, we bless you, God. Thank you for Josh saying yes to this call to carry the gospel. Protect him. 
give him and his team traveling mercy and give them a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit every day. Use them, Lord. Open up their eyes that they might see the kingdom. Use them in powerful ways to see lives change through Christ. God, bless and watch over Kelsey and these three kids and this one that forms even this morning. Help her, Father, as she finds her man out of the home. Uh, Lord, thank you for parents and others that will come alongside her. May Josh be at peace knowing that all is well with his home and all is well with his soul. Use our brother. We look forward to hearing testimony. And we send him out as a church saying, Jesus, the world is yours. Thank you for sending Josh. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, y'all go up to Josh, put money in his pocket. And he would welcome that. Hey, man, y'all have a great afternoon. That concludes today's topic.